Hey guys, welcome back to the Fedinger Podcast. Today we had our beloved Sheikh Bilal Assad on the podcast again. I know you guys have been waiting for this one and that's why we went for the hot topics you guys have all been asking for. We spoke all about marriage, controlling our desires in the 21st century. It's marriage like you've never heard it before. You guys would love it. Take some notes. Everything should be all good and enjoy the app. Let your parents try to guide you in that way. Uh, don't try to hide it from them. If you can, if you can't talk to your parents, talk to your uncle, to your aunt, to somebody who's older in your family who will be very concerned about your reputation, your family, your well-being. Because what happens to you will happen to them. Mm. I remember a cousin of mine used to say, um, ruining your, 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 your family, a member of your family's reputation, talking about a member of your family is like putting your head up and spitting. <laughs> Mm, yeah. where's the spit going to come back yeah, on your face like you, you talk about your family you talk about yourself mm. so to go to somebody who is invested who has a a, a, a a personal interest in advising you in the right way yeah. okay so that's one thing parents make it easy and secondly we're going to have to change this trend about marriage like a lot of people say oh but you're not ready for marriage how can you let someone who is you know 18, 19 years old to get married at that age yeah it can happen. Once yeah. we start talking about it and start thinking about it seriously, the mind begins to adapt to an earlier age getting ready for it. I mean, let's, let's look at it this way. You got in the law here in Australia, for example, if you're between 12 and, and 15, I think I may get it wrong, 12 and 14 or something like that, or 13 and 15, you're allowed to have an intimate sexual relationship with anyone within that age gap. Like, for example, a 13-year-old had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old. It's illegal, right? It's like pedophilia almost. Mm. But a 12-year-old and 13-year-old can have a sexual relationship so long as there's consent. Now, I, I like this idea of a consensual, um, you know, the consensual law, give consent. But in Islam, <laughs> we don't even get to that. Mm. There is no such thing. There's no, you don't get to the point of saying, I'll consent or not. Right from the beginning, it's, it's, not, even it's not even going there. You're not taking <laughs> one step yeah. there. Mm. Because most teenagers, they're, they're going to get... Something's going to happen. You, know, you can't just... Uh, anyway, I, I, I want to get back to the point. The point is that you can see young people, they're getting into sexual relationships. Young people are getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. Young people are having abortions. I, I asked here at the Mercy Hospital, in some hospitals, I asked the nurses and midwives, do you have young people, young girls coming for abortions? They, yeah, sometimes we have 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. Obviously, there's other families, but mm. p people who are married, but youngsters are... Why? They're not ready to have a child. Oh, they made a mistake. But you, you know, so why is that allowed? But marriage is not allowed. Mm. Some people live together. Let's say they're 16, 17 years old. Some of them even... They do everything a, a, a married couple does. Some. But they're not allowed to get married. Some of them live with their parents, but they do everything a married couple does. And not allowed to get married. Yep. So anyway... Here in Australia, 18 years old is the legal age. We're not going to dispute that. We're not going to go against the law here. 18-year-old is the legal age. And I'll never do a marriage for someone below 18. However, 18, 19, why can't we talk about this? Yeah. Now, some people reach the age of 30, and if they've never experienced marriage before, they're still, they're still amateurs. <laughs> You have to have that experience. So where do you get the experience from? Where do you get the wisdom from? Where do you mature from? Through living through something, through having experience through it. That's why in, 
for, for over a thousand years, thousands of years, people got married very, very young mm. and they matured at a very young age. Mm. Now, obviously, we've got to look at our society. Some of them are not really ready at all. But if we can start changing that attitude, talking about it, and people can probably get a little ready a bit earlier. Mm. Parents, if they are wealthy, if they have financially comfortable, yachi, support your child. It's all right. Support your son to get married at a younger age. All right? If they are ready and they, they, they can, inshallah, support them financially. Get them onto their feet. Help them. Mm. Lower the expectations. You know, for example, we have in some societies, the mahar is too high. My God, you know, uh, which, which, which 19, 20-year-old, tw even 25-year-old has enough, you know, to, to um, pledge uh, a mahar, a dowry, a marital dowry, a mahar, a sadaq of, you know, say... $30,000, $40,000 cash immediate. Take it easy on it because you've got to buy furniture, you've got to rent a house, you've got to pay for the wedding, you've got to go mm. on honeymoon. I mean, who, who's got... So take it easy on the mahars. You know, maybe put a bit of a deferred amount later. Um, make it easier. There are some societies like my community, the Lebanese, Middle Eastern community, we kill it with, with, with the mahar. <laughs> 100000 150000 Yeah, I'll talk about it. This is really tough, you know. Uh, another thing we can look at is... Um, can, sorry, can I quickly ask, is there a number you'd recommend? Would you say Australia, guys under 25? Because like we barely worked full time. Are you asking me what age is good no, to no, get no. married? I'm saying meher amount. Because obviously it's not... What do I recommend with meher? Yeah, because some people say like the meher of Fatima, because then there's less, there's baraka. Some people say Mahar maybe... Fatima. Fatima I'm talking about 1,400 years ago. That's no, no, we don't compare <laughs> the meher... <laughs> I'm just trying to say, I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get it. I get it. I'm just trying oh, to say... They're saying <laughs> like, uh, yeah, make the meher very low. Yeah. No, no, I'm trying to say... There's a bit of controversy like, online about that stuff. I would like your opinion, because mm. it's not something what I pick. Right. Isn't it more like... It's for the female to choose. That's why he's... Inshallah, it's not a lot. What is the mahar? <laughs> so since we opened up the issue of the Surat mahar, yani, the issue of the mahar in marriage, what is the mahar? The mahar is a bridal gift, if you like. In Christianity, they call it dowry. Uh, in India, they also call it a dowry or a dawa. But uh, the way they do is different to what it means in Islam. The dowry is usually given to the father or to the family of the girls, not even the girls. In uh, Indian culture, the non-Muslim Indian culture, the, uh, the girl's family gives it to the, to the man, to the, to the, the groom. Or to his family. Uh, in Islam, the dowry is what the girl, what the bride requests. She is the one that sets it and requests it. Her father, however, is representative of her. So she's not the one that goes out and speaks about what she wants. Because that could be, th that'll be probably embarrassing for her. It's uncomfortable for her to say. So her father is the one that speaks on her behalf. And he advises her. But he lets her know. Some fathers, they don't even ask their daughters. I've done marriages for people where the the bride and groom have no idea what a mahar is and what it is and what's going on. They go, oh, no, my parents, whatever they agree to. So, but hold on, mahar means the groom. You have mm -hmm. to give, you have to pay that, you have to settle that, you have to <laughs> give it to the bride mm -hmm. sooner or later. You don't know what you, and you don't know what he owes you? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I don't know what it is. So we have to talk about what mahar is. The girl chooses it, she's the one that sets it. Uh, obviously she's got a give and take with her father takes the advice of her father and her mother her family they talk about it among each other and then you look at the situation you look at a, the, the groom what is the groom of good character is the groom of good religion which means what's religion it means that he, you've studied his you've looked on his social media you've seen what kind <laughs> of friends he hangs around with you've seen how he is dynamics with his family you see that the guy has been raised in a, a reasonably good Islamic environment. He does the, you know, the, the the basics of the religion and stays away from the major sins. He's got some good religion. He fears Allah. Uh, you remind him of God. He 
he you find that he he respects it right so that's good religion good character is trustworthy and honest he's not going to leave your daughter on the streets when things go rough he will get up he's not lazy he will do he'll even he'll be a, you know he'll, he'll clean the streets he'll do anything for his family that's trustworthy and honest everything other than that is secondary yeah. so we say we'll put a mahar on this guy because character religion is good man he's got yeah. good values we're not going to suffer like this inshallah so why why make the mahar so much what can you afford son yeah, parents, what can you afford, son? Do you think that's a good question to, for people to ask? Of course it is. Okay. 100%. I would. I would ask. I'd say, well, what can you afford, son? What can you do? You know? Or I can say, look, this is the situation. You know, her cousins and, and my environment, this is how much they they write. But I'm not going to force that on you, son. What can you afford? How c- I want to make it easy on you. That's if he's got good religion, good character. Mm. That's all I want. I don't want my daughter to be looked after because he's got a lot of money. Yeah. Wanted to look after because he's got good values. He's going to respect her, value her, look after her. Mm-hmm. He's not lazy. He's uh, he's got good morals and principles. All right. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So the idea of the mahar should not be a big issue. At the same time, the mahar should not be so little, like you mentioned it before, <laughs> like Fatima. <laughs> Fatima radiallahu anha was lived one thousand four hundred years ago. Their societies, their income, their way of living is different to ours. And really, hamahar is depends also on your status in society. So, if you if you, you come from a wealthy family and you want to marry a girl who's from a wealthy family, obviously the mahar has to be equivalent or relevant relative to you know their surroundings. In Islam, if you can't agree on a mahar, we say, well, it's like her peers, like her family environment, sort of thing. But at the same time, the guy, if he can't afford that, we don't make it hard on him mm. because now we've changed the marriage into a materialistic, into a monetary thing. Right. Anyway, that mahar we talk, and we uh, I say to the fathers and the girls, please, you know, uh, don't make the, the the marriage about materialism. That's number one. Uh, secondly, um, focus in marriage on how the person has been raised and how you've been raised. If you can look honestly, I look. If people ideally. If you can look for someone who is similar to your own family, that's ideal. Unless, a p- <laughs> unless uh, your family, you know, th- the family is really bad. But if my family is used to a particular culture and custom, particular, you know, they're used to a particular way. Alhamdulillah, they're, they're, they're good in their deen, they're respectable, they're, they've got good values. But our customs, our traditions, our expectations, our dynamics of how we live together. Mm is a particular way, it'll help you to get someone who comes from a similar kind of family to that. It, it does make it easier. It does it, make it easier. It's only tough for the the mixed people. Like, for example, me, my mom's South African, my dad's Lebanese, if, or my dad's half Lebanese. Yep. If I went to a Lebanese family, come on, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even think I'm Lebanese. You know what I mean? Like, oh, do you want me to back you? <laughs> no, 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 but no, you know what I mean? Like, I go to yeah, Lebanese right. people and they're like, you're not Lebanese. And then I go to South African people, it's the same kind of thing, where it's, that's where it's the tough one. because it's in the middle. Yeah. Shuf Ashraf, that's the first, I'm talking about ideal, it's not the only one. I'm not saying <laughs> every, this is a, a, a blanket rule. But as, as, a, as a beginning, we say, look, look for someone who's as close as you can to your family dynamics. Mm. Because you'll have less issues with the families, you know. Uh, if you can't do that, your dynamics is pretty mixed. Having somebody who's similar to your family's mindset and the way you guys run will make life easier for you and for her as well. Yeah. Because everybody knows what to do and what to expect. Mm. And if parents know what to do and what to expect as well. The third thing, and my, my, for example, I've got family members who are married to uh, p- you know, uh, their wives 
converted to Islam, and they come from an Australian Aussie, you know, uh, Anglo background. They're not used to the customs traditions, but they've got good manners. They, they, you know, they're, they're um, they, you know, they're reminded. They're not the fighting type, for example, yeah. argumentative type. Uh, yes, they, they'll talk their opinion, but they're not the type that. So they're the type that um, can can learn and can compromise a little bit and adapt, and and that works too. Yeah. You know, and it's not just the girl, also the boy. I had a couple who said, um, the the wife said, uh, uh, my husband he wants us to go and have a barbecue at his father's house, his whole family, all his siblings, every Wednesday evenings, every Wednesday. I've had enough of it. I said, sister. Do you want your? F what's your priority in life? You or your family? Because of course, my family. Your kids? Yes, your kids. Do your kids love seeing their family? Yeah. I said, all right. That's why you got married. You do some things that make your husband closer to you, and like it, love it because you're building your family, making better family. And then he turns around and says, huh, "You didn't ask her what we do every Friday nights." Go what? He goes, ever since I got married to her, every Friday night, we've got to be at her dad's house. So, okay. And he goes, I don't complain. I go, why do you go? He goes, I want my wife to be happy. This is something they give and take. So there you go. It's mm -hmm. mutual. You've got to give, give and take a little bit. Yeah, and marriage involves a little bit of sacrifice, a little bit of adaptation. It's never 100%. Another advice I give is, um, look, write down six or seven main things that you as a person, you, can never be able to tolerate if you were to go through that in your marriage. Yeah. Write down six or seven, not more than that. Say, you know what? Me, Ashraf, me, Bilal, me, Suhail, I know myself. If I were to marry someone who is like this, or doesn't do that, or does this, just six or seven of them, they are the deal breakers for me. So now you look for someone who, this is your goal now. Rather than the looks, the outside yeah. looks, look for the values that work for you. And you'll find somebody who are also looking for similar values. You will click. I think studies have shown that about seven or eight personalities in the world keep basically eight, seven or eight personalities are divided in the world. So among seven billion people, yeah. you, have, uh, you have a high chance. You know, there's, there's so many people with a personality that fits yours, inshallah, mm, yes. or a culture or a system that fits yours. But you write them down, know what you want in a marriage. What are the deal breakers? And, and everything else you've got to compromise. Yeah, sorry, Sheikh. I was going to add, because you just mentioned attraction. And that's something that I've noticed a lot mm. of people are starting to like put that at the top of their list. Like, if I see somebody yeah. I'm not attracted to, why would I even bother continuing the process? When you've obviously made clear, and the Dean has as well, that there's qualities and values and morals and ethics that are at the core of the person that are brilliant. And they're a very good individual. And they're going to take care of you and they're going to be there for you 150% of the time. But I'm really not attracted to the person. Mm. What would you say in that, yeah. in that regard? Attraction is important. You have to be attracted to the person. When I said don't make the looks, I mean don't make the looks the core, mm. the foundation, which is what ha what's happening today. So be attracted but that is not the foundation of why you're getting married. You believe it grows? Of course. Yeah. I, attraction, physical attraction, takes the back seat after you get married, after a few months, one year, two years, it takes the back seat. And I'll tell you why. Uh, even in psychology, 
they tell you this. Attraction comes in three stages when you're going to get married to someone. The first one is when you don't really know each other. They call it either a lustful attraction or they call it a crush or it's like anything that's new. Infatuation. Infatuation, whatever you want to call it, it's that type. So it's not a real it's not a real love, it's not real, it's not anything important. But it's a type of attraction. Either you get attracted by the eyes, the way they talk, the way they smell, the mood that you're in, uh, if they're funny, they make you laugh. All these are just superficial things that you get attracted to. If you talk to someone for a while, most often it's, it's highly likely that you'll, you'll both fall in love. That falling in love is not the love that you need for marriage. This is all superficial at this point. That type of an attraction is the attraction of newness. Anything new, you get attracted to it. You might like something superficial about it. You continue. If you start discovering values that are, that are your, your, the values that you can live with, the values that you really respect, which you're looking for, it turns into what we call a romantic attraction. And that's the engagement stage. You get engaged. So first it's haki. We say in Arabic, you go and you sort of you ask about them and uh, you can call the parents up or ask about who the family is, give them a visit, uh, ask for permission if you can talk on the phone, come over and talk, go out with, with sometimes with friends or family and just sort of see how you are, so come visit. Yeah. You're allowed to do all that. That's Ta- called halal dating. Called tahanik as well, yeah. Not tahanik. Tahanik is an Arabic word for just wasting time. But no, you're not wasting time. Because your intentions and your motives are clear. It's a, they're good motives, they're good goals. Y- you are looking for marriage. Yeah. Okay. Hanak is when you're not looking for marriage, you just want to spend time. That changes afterwards into romantic r- uh, attraction, that is the engagement stage, and it works itself into the marriage, especially in the first year. Mm. Then after first year, second year, especially you start having children, you go through the ups and downs, everybody, you settle. Usually it takes about one to two years. Then it becomes a different type of attraction. It becomes, what, what do you call it? That's real attraction. You're no longer attracted just to the physical looks. That's secondary. That takes a backseat. You feel you are part of them, they're a part of you. You start feeling you are one. As Allah says, You are like clothing that wear each other. And you feel, you, you find your mental state gets into that. It's not just me anymore, it's them. It's not just me anymore, it's her. It's not just me anymore, it's him as well. And so you give a little bit from yourself. That's when you start being one. That's the attraction that you reach. Now, to reach that attraction, you've got to make your priority, the values and the principles, the deen, those things. As for the physical attraction, well, this is what you can do. You look for the values, but if you don't like the physical attraction, move on. Look for someone else who's got the values and the physical attraction, but never just the physical. I'll give you an example. This is what a common mistake young people do. Mm-hmm. They look for the physical attraction and it ta- occupies their mind. Then they get to know them in the wrong way. The parents are the last people to find out. By the time their parents find out, you know, two, three, four, five, six months, one year, whatever, they jump in, they visit each other, and then they find out a whole different face to this person. Hold on a minute. Um, He's not really good with his sisters. He's a bit aggressive. Oh, I never saw that. Uh, I got too busy looking at his muscles. Uh, and then he says, oh, oh, she doesn't respect her parents. Oh, she argues with them. She's going to argue with me. You know, I got, I got too busy looking at her beautiful eyes. 
all these years, all these months. Mm. Now, because there's this <coughs> long relationship there, which is based on physical attraction and just you and her, some people don't know how to get out of it anymore. They will compromise and look past all the red flags that they know they will not be able to work it out. But they'll say, I'll make it work. I'll force it to work. I'll place boundaries. I'll tell my family. I'll tell her family. We'll all place boundaries. No, it's me and her. We love each other. Romeo and Juliet. I don't like that book. <laughs> I don't like that book. Wallah. If it wasn't for the English that they're teaching, I don't like that book. You know, it actually is. It actually does the complete opposite of what everybody thinks it's yeah, supposed it, to. It's about just you and her, or her and you, as if you guys are living on, on some other planet and there's no one else oh, in your uh, life. No, no, it's actually about how stupid lust is. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. Lust. It, it, he's, he's basically like, I don't know, if I heard I heard the reverse annotation of what Shakespeare actually meant by it. It's to show that people that you fall in love very young and you let your lust take over you, look how dumb it could become. Yeah. Like that you guy killed himself end. and she killed herself. And then what happened? I mean, wh what did I see? I saw suicide. I saw breaking up with family. I saw families killing families, killing each other. Um, mental issues. I mean, is that what Allah created? Is that why He created um, uh, men and men and women? Allah says He created the man and the woman. Uh, he created you into pairs so that you may find tranquility and peace with each other, and He made between you compassion and mercy. Tayyib, question: When you marry someone. Isn't their entire family going to be part of your life? Mm -hmm. So where are we going? Yeah. Why aren't we considering them? Mm -hmm. I don't want my parents to get involved. Yeah, I know. Parents should not get involved. Th they've got a boundary. Th there's a limit to how much they should get involved. But since I'm talking to youth, I want to say, take it easy. They should get involved to a certain point. They're, you're their children. You're going you're gonna to have, inshallah, grandchildren who are connected to them. You're going to visit them. They're going to be part of your life. They can't wait to see grandchildren coming along and having fun with them. They're going to invite you. You're going to invite them. You're going to have Eid. You're going to visit. They're your parents. They might get sick. You need to look after them if you can. You're always going to be, everyone's going to be involved. Your siblings are always going to be involved. Getting involved in your personal life is one thing. Being involved in your life as a family is another thing. So everybody knows that. So this is what I say to, to young people. Look at your parents. What's their life like around? You're going to be there. Maybe not exactly like them, but that's how you're going to be. So is there this infatuation now? Is this this romance every day? Is there what you're doing right now with that new person? That you No, you're still in a new stage. You're going to be like that. So everything's normal. Everything's settled. What become your priorities? What are you going to be start doing? So look at yourself five years down the track. And that's probably a good question when you get engaged to ask in a very informal way that, you know, like... Uh, you know, I, I want to tell you what I see myself in five years mm. or in ten years. You say, what do you see yourself in ten years like? It's, I'd, I'd be interested to know that. I, even a good personal question to ask yourself is to describe your ideal ordinary week. So ideal, yeah, yeah, of course. These, there's, um, there's a list of ten questions that um, Shalom I want to prepare and put up. I learned it from a great... Uh, uh, marriage counselor, his name is Dr. Jassim from the Arabic world. He's, he's really, really good. He's also a psychologist and he talks about mm. 10 main questions that you should revolve your um, conversation around when you when you meet someone in times of engagement. And one of them is what you said, you know, your, your daily hobbies and likes and ambitions and goals, things like that. And uh, one person said, oh, I asked all these 10 questions to him. One girl said, I asked all 10 questions to the guy. 
And every one of them he said, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't really have a goal. Tayyib, uh, what are your hobbies? I don't really have a hobby. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, I've never really thought about it. I don't, I don't really. And he says, good. She goes, every question was wrong. He says, it's not about you finding right or wrong questions. Mm. It's about you knowing what kind of a person he is. So if he hasn't got a goal after 10 years, it means he's a man of the moment. He d- you know, tomorrow is just another day. So he's spontaneous. You're marrying a spontaneous person. Mm. Can you live with that? That's okay. Uh, he, he doesn't really have a hobby. Well, he's not a person that is socially active. So, you know, you're able to live with that or you're going to have to, you know, compensate with something. That's all it really is. So the point is anyway that one of these questions is, is, is revolve around these types of things. That's what you're going to be living with, especially parents. I would, I would ask, I would say there's so much emphasis on this. What's your culture like? How, how, how are your parents, you know, your siblings and everything? You guys have activities that you do with family. My family does this. You'll, and then she'll say, oh, my, my family does that. And that way you can get a sense of whether it can work or can't work, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is the life you're going to live. The romance, the stuff we see in Hollywood, the stuff we see on, on social media, all that is just temporary. Yep. Okay? So your children want their grandparents. Your children want their uncles and aunts. You know, subhanAllah. I asked um, my daughter the other day, so do you know how you see your grandparents and your uncles and aunts? I've always wanted to ask you, how do you feel that you still have grandparents who are living and you have uncles and aunts around you and you see them? How do you feel? She goes, um, it feels good. I wanted her to tell me more. I said, do you feel like you're whole? You're complete? Like, Do you feel like you exist because, yeah, I feel like I exist in this world. Mm. I've got all these people that, that I'm made up of. So I feel like I have a presence in this world. Mm. Imagine now if you get married to somebody and all you're thinking about is just you and them. And that's it. And the whole family is out of the picture. And they're the last people. Well, you know, the whole purpose of your identity and your existence and your fulfillment and who you are and your happiness is all these people that you're made up of. Mm. Wow, look at that. I'm not just made of mum and, mum and dad. I've got ancestors. I've got grandparents. I've got uncles and aunts. Whoa, Allah has made me not by myself. I've got all these people. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. Honestly, people, young people today and in the world we live in, the society, family's being pushed away. You know, family, our oh, the family makeup. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He created the Rahim, the womb. What did He call it? What did He call the womb? Ra, Rahim. And it's come from Allah's name, what? Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim, which means mercy. Where did He place it in who? In the mother, mm-hmm. the mother's womb, in place that rahmah in the mother. And how ironic, subhanAllah, the mother is not is more empathetical, right? She, she's, more, she's more in tune with people's emotions and, and, their, and their feelings, right? More than the father. That's what makes a great mother, right? And Allah put that rahim in her. And when Allah created the rahim, the rahim cried. Prophet ﷺ said, the rahim cried. And Allah says, although he knows, but just to, to get the message to us, why are you crying? He said, oh Allah, you made me so fragile. I'm afraid people are going to break me apart. He says, how about whoever connects you, connects with me. And whoever breaks you apart, are broken off from me. So whoever connects you is connected with me. Whoever disconnects you is disconnected from me. So connecting with Allah and connecting with your family plays a huge role on your children, on yourself. Mm-hmm. Isn't that correct? 100%. So when we get married, we need, to, we need to look ahead and think, okay, and get advice from our parents, get advice from our elders. Yeah. What is the real... So we see our grandparents, mashallah, they've been together for 60, 70 years. They'll have a fight and we think, oof, it's World War Three. Next minute, 
They love each other. They'll never leave each other. Why? Because they're focusing on a bigger picture. They remember why they got married. What's really important about life and marriage? So please, we need to move away from this superficial me and her, her and yeah. me and just me and just us and just materialistic. <laughs> us against the world. I was, I was <laughs> going to actually ask you about that, subhanAllah, because I know that there, were, there was like this wave of perpetrating, like, don't worry about your parents because if they say something... Like that that doesn't make sense to you in the in the grand scheme of things. When you're trying to get married to somebody, just ignore them. Go to the sheikh. Go behind their back. Da, da, da. And it wasn't really from shiuch or anything. It was more so from the people around you. Yeah. It's like oh, they heard one little thing about like them saying oh, your parents can't do this to you because it's it's actually become like a like a zilm. It's like it's like become oppression. Oppression. And um, one thing that I, I, I like that I wish I knew when I was younger. Or like when I was going through it, is that mom and my dad are like they're they're the ones who are got my back 150 percent. Whether I do things wrong, whether I do things right, and um, when you sit there and you look back at it, you're like, wow, okay. Like I can understand why a lot of people had gone left, you know, when it comes to gone like left. Gone left. As in, like they've gone, gone off the track because of because of like they they kind of like they've created like a opposition between them and their mum and their, Correct. their dad when it comes to them trying to get to marry somebody yes. and stuff. Yes, and, and tension um, does build up, yeah. Yeah, and I, I had a mate who fought the odds and ended up getting divorced maybe three we, three years, four years yep. down the line and he had to face his mum and his dad after it and they they didn't spit on him and go, hey, Ruh, no, no, you know? Friend, yeah. They told him, Nia. Look, you know? Suhail, you've opened up a good topic there. There are different types of parents, different types of children. There are those parents who are reasonable and have a good relationship with their children. Their children have a good relationship with them. And their parents may oppose them in marrying a particular person for the right reason. Mm. These types of parents, which inshallah are the majority, um, they should, and, and, and that if they have a good relationship, they should be able to make it comfortable for their children to sit and talk. So I say to parents, if you have a good relationship with your, with your children, alhamdulillah, if you're going to oppose them about their marriage, sit down with them and let them let your children talk and explain. Then you talk your, your point of view. Then let them talk their point of view. So have a, have a good conversation. A lot of parents, they're, they're, because they get so emotionally invested in the uh, protection of their child, they want the best for them, sometimes they can't think straight. Sometimes they want to say something that comes out the wrong way. So I say, look, don't don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Just sit back and nothing's going to go wrong. Just communicate. Mm. Listen. 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 Then talk and say why. Then the child, you know, as a son, you say, okay, dad, look, mum, I, I understand that point. You're saying this. But what about if I say that? And, you know, sometimes parents have got the wrong idea. Then you can explain. They can say, oh, Really? I've got to see for myself. Let them see for themselves. Sometimes your parents might have a different view and say, son, look, you didn't, you're not considering this. And you go, oh, I really didn't know. Don't, don't try to fight it. Say, okay, I'm listening. Tell me. And you don't have to make a decision on the spot. Go away. Think about it. Look, communication is the key. And you've got to lower the guards down a little bit. You ne you're never going to be always right. I'm now what? I'm, I'm over 40. And, and till now, my dad, sometimes my mum says something to me and, you know, I come to sort of put my guards up and think, come on, man, I'm over 40 and you're coming telling <laughs> me. 
but they still have a point sometimes. Sometimes because my because sometimes I'm, I'm emotional. Sometimes I'm, I'm just block li- looking yeah. at things from a different angle. They know you're the best. But then there are other parents who are unreasonable and they are oppressive. Like for example, there are parents who uh, base the choices of who their child or son or daughter want to marry based on the wrong reasons, like just purely race, purely wealth, purely status, purely reputation, purely because um, they, they, they let people walk all over them, you know, purely because they're controlling, purely because they're helicopter parents, purely because they're narcissistic. You got you got parents like that who have been raised in a, from a domestic from in, who who, were, who grew up in a domestic in a um, violent uh, domestically violent um, family, and now they're projecting it onto their children. You can see that, right? Yeah. Now there are those types of parents as well, and alhamdulillah, there's not. Look, th- we hear about them the most only because they're the loudest, all right? But they're not the majority, inshallah. Now these types of people, you do need help with these people. So obviously, we don't say ah. Oh, um, you're going to have to settle with that because I've like that last report I I read about um, from the AFP about that girl who their parents forced her to marry a guy she doesn't want and uh, it was uh, a forced arranged marriage forced arranged marriage she ended up in Shepparton with him and um, after a couple of months it was last January not this January the January 2021 um, I think that happened or before and um, she had been uh, murdered in her house, and they found her there. So what we're saying is, in Islam, it is haram, haram to force, to pressure, coerce your children into marrying someone they don't want to marry. Even if the parent has a good point why you should marry a particular person, they have no right whatsoever to force you into marrying them. You have the last say about if you want to marry them or not. They can advise you, but they have absolutely no power in Islam to force you to marry that own, someone that you don't want. So those times, you've got to seek advice from someone who they respect. Let's talk to an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, a sheikh, somebody else, right? And then some people I've, I've advised to, you know, get a different wali because they were just so unreasonable. Mm. Sometimes a sheikh becomes their wali or someone else because they are, they're, they're oppressing them. Mm. If they stay like that, they'll never get married, you know? Yeah. So there are those types as well, you know. So yani Islam has created a solution. I advise young people, please don't sort of try to solve everything by yourself and, and put a, your guards up against everything. Give your parents a chance. Communicate with them. If it doesn't work, seek advice from someone else who's older. Don't just do it all by yourself and resort to just being stubborn and doing your own way because you might lose both worlds, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. to clarify, it wasn't an experience with marriage for me. It was more so like a... <laughs> Just uh, back and forth with my parents about certain choices I made in life. Yeah. What was the name again? Oh, right. <laughs> no, joking, joking, joking. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'll go into the next question, inshallah. Um, do you believe that soulmates actually exist? That whole concept of soulmates. It's actually massive now on social media. I what's what's define soulmate? What so do like you understand it as? They lock eyes. At it. Oh, and actually, is, is it that? They said love at first sight is that. But soulmates is kind of like uh, this person was mine and that's it and <laughs> we were meant for each other as soon as we, we okay, clicked well from the start. There's, there's a few problems in that. How do you know that you are meant for each other? I mean, if it hasn't happened yet. Allah, I, I'm not on that wave. I'm, I'm on a different wave. No, I'm just, <laughs> we're talking. I'm not asking yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> I rhetorically. I think they used the ayah like, um, and we created you in pairs. Yeah. And they said like, yeah. we'll, the soulmate thing is we'll 
pretty much soulmates before we're born. We're pretty much born to be together. And that's the there um, is thing they use. There is a hadith of the Prophet which is in, I believe it's in Bukhari. It's an authentic hadith, which is undisputed. It says, Al-arwahu, it's a long hadith. Long hadith. And part of it says, Al-arwahu junudun mujannada. The souls are like soldiers in rows together. And then he goes, I'll just translate it in English. Sometimes when you meet that particular soul, you find that you're able to get along with it. And they automatically find that they're they, they can get along with you. And there are, there are souls, they meet each other, and it's like the you 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 um detract each other. So some attract and some you move away. And the soul just feels it. Okay, there is a hadith about that. These are personalities and people you can get along with, some people you click with, some people you don't click with. But is that applied to people who are lovers, like husband and wife? Or is, is that what the hadith is talking about or is it talking about in general? It's talking about everybody, like you and me. If I, I meet Ashraf and uh, I feel, you know what, Ashraf? Something about you when I see you, I feel comfortable. You say, Wallahi, I feel the same. And even though we don't know each other that well yet. There is that element, according to the hadith. It's a long story. It's, it's based on an ayah in the Quran where Allah SWT took the souls out of Adam السلام, our father. And we were all there and we all bear witness that we will believe in Allah and that He is the one and only and we have accepted the trust and on. And we saw each other, we know each other. And Allah SWT created the souls in different personalities. Some He created them from the harsh clay, others from the light clay, some from the soft clay, some from the rigid clay, some from this color clay, that color clay. So we are created in different personalities and sometimes we click and we don't, or we don't click. However, the problem with saying, okay, we're meant for each other, you don't know that. I have heard so many people who said that in the beginning and end up having a toxic relationship later on. Mm -hmm. There is a difference between ambiguity and real ambiguity and real love. Uh, emotions and emotions and whether realistically this marriage can 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 be good for you or bad for you. I mean, you can love someone, but it doesn't mean you're going to get along with them. I've heard of people, the worst types of relationships are the ones where you're stuck in a toxic love. But you, you say you love each other, but you're toxic to each other. Can't stay, can't leave. That's the worst torture, right? Usually these types of the people who did not follow Allah's guidance from the beginning. They started off in the wrong way, in the name of, we're soulmates. You don't know that. That's why Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he told us, I mean, he said, إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ مَنْ تَرْضَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُلُقَهُ فَزَوِّجُوا If a man comes to you with, that you are pleased with their religion and their character, marry him off to him. إِلَّمْ تَفْعَلُوا تَكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَفَسَادٌ عَرِيدٌ If you don't base it on this foundation, there's going to be chaos everywhere. Everyone's going to be ruined all the time. He said, تُنْكَحُ الْمَرْأَ لِأَرْبَعٍ a woman is married usually, usually, predominantly for four reasons. Jamaluha, her beauty, attractiveness on the outside. Wamaluha, her wealth. Hasabuha wa nasabuha, or her lineage. Awlidiniha, or for her way of life, her religion. Fadfar bidhati dini taribati yadak. Settle, settle and prosper, he said. Fadfar meaning settle and prosper. With the one that has the foundation of the deen. Taribat yadak. May your hands be rubbed in purity. You've done well. Tayyib. 
Where's the love here? I'll tell you what love is. If you have values and principles and beliefs that you love, such as your deen, for example, and Allah, everyone who is associated with that value and that belief, you will love them too. Isn't that right? Rasulullah said, Ya Umar, Umar anhu, you will not enter paradise until I am more beloved to you than anything, even yourself. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I'll be honest with you, I love you more than anything except myself. Except myself. He said, La Ya Umar. Has to be more than yourself. So he thought a little bit in the end, he goes, Now I love you, Ya Rasulullah, even more than myself. He says, What, what hell? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I looked at your character and my character. I looked at your values and my values. I looked at your mannerism and my mannerism. I looked at all that and every time I compared myself to you, you always were superior. And I love those characteristics. Therefore, I found myself loving you more than myself because I, I hate stuff about myself. He said, Al-ana ya Umar. Now, oh Umar, you have reached. So what is that you really love about a person? You love about a person the things that you value. And you, for example, how many marriages do we see couples? They go about the wrong way. They give themselves this magical fantasy. And then when they get into their marriage, they discover that they're not good for each other. I've seen it many times. For example, in the beginning, a sister marries a guy, a brother, and she treats him the way she would like to be treated. That's that's how women are. A lot of a lot of women from Allah, maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I've sort of noticed. Women will initially treat you the way they like to be treated. Then when you treat them differently, they will treat you the same way you treat them. <laughs> That's how it changes into. This happens a lot. And that's because they didn't see and didn't focus on his character beforehand. But instead we focused on this thing. We're soulmates. Some of them go for zodiac signs and some of them <laughs> they go for angel numbers and I don't know what else and all this. And some of them even, uh, I don't know if there's such a word, but sorcerize the istikhara. You know, sorcery, magic. Yeah. <laughs> so zodiac signs and angel numbers and fantasies like that, they come from superstitious beliefs. Yeah. Now, some of them even romanticize the istikhara and they make it, turn it into some kind of magical spell of some sort. Istikhara is what you do before you're about to endeavor on a decision. So you, you want to do something, you don't know if it's good or bad for you, so you'd make an istikhara. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance. Now listen to what the istikhara says. It's got three parts to it. The first part, after praising Allah and saying, you know more than I, you know and I do not know, you say, oh Allah, if such and such a person is good for me, grant him for me or her for me, and bless our, let's say it's marriage, bless our marriage and guide us. Yeah. Oh Allah, if you know that her or he is bad for me in my world and my hereafter, uh, then keep her away from me and me away from her and and then, that's the second part. And the third part, and guide me to where is best for me and then make me accept it. So what have you actually said? You've left the reliance upon Allah. Not, I'm waiting for a sign or I'm waiting for this. You left the reliance upon Allah. Then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either helps. Now, you have to do your action now. You have to do your stuff. You have to do your research. Allah doesn't just bring it down like some magical sorcery. And like a, what is it? What's the angel called? Cubit? Oh, Cupid, yeah, yeah. Cupid, he comes yeah. down and this Shoots ancient you with Greek, an arrow, yeah. yeah. You don't wait for something magical, or some people they say, I've got to see a dream. <laughs> the shaitan comes in and thinks, you know, Suhail, he's a magnificent husband for her. He'll guide her in this life and hereafter to Jannah. I'm not going to let that happen. He goes and gives her a dream. 
shows Sohei looking like a freak in her dream. <gasps> she wakes up with a nightmare. Oh my God, it's the worst thing I've ever oh, No, no, no. I just did the istikhara last night. Sometimes the istikhara is not, no, there is no evidence saying istikhara, you have to see a dream for it. Istikhara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after you do your research and your action, either starts paving the way, you start finding obstacles opening up all the way, yeah. and you get there. Or obstacles start to gather upon obstacles upon obstacles. And then you know the istikhara is working. I just wanted to give this, don't rely on uh, soulmate impressions or feelings or these are all secondary. Feelings can misguide you. The word soulmate, I don't even know. I don't know if people <laughs> even know what that means. I don't know what that means. What do you mean soulmate? Oh, we clicked. I, I can click with anybody. Yeah. I can click with you now. Does that mean that you and I get married? <laughs> We're soulmates maybe. I love you, man. You, when I see you, Ashraf, Dakhil, Allah, I feel like, you know. So that is one thing. And follow the guidance of Allah. Do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Research. Are they like this? Are they like that? Look at yourself realistically. Seek advice from your parents. Seek advice from your family. Look at their social media account. Ask about them. Sit with them then and talk. Take your time. Make your istikhara. And then if they are your soulmate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open the doors for you. That sounds amazing. I, th I think I'd like to really get those 10 questions. So when can we... Yeah, I forgot those 10 questions. Not, I wrote not today. <laughs> no, no, understandable. Maybe next time. If not, inshallah, we'll try to get it off you. I think that'll be beneficial. Inshallah. You know? It gives people a template. And that's the, that's the tough thing. Well, inshallah. A lot of times, maybe because we're in Australia, we're young, there's not a lot of... Um, the next generation above us came here. Yeah, so the first three. Of, you know? I'll say the first three of them that I can remember. Inshallah, I jotted them down because I gave them some uh, thought. Uh, the first one is, um, you know, uh, pick pick a number of years and say, you know, where do where do you see yourself in this, you know, seven ten years time, for example? How do you wh what's your outlook? Okay. Another question is, you know. What's your worldview? How do you see this world? What's this world all about? What's your thoughts about the world, the worldview, mm. this life? You know, um, what are we here? You know, what are we here for? That's another question. Worldview is very important. Number three, you ask about the family. You know, so how how does how does your family live, and what what do they enjoy doing? How do they meet? You know, how 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 do you guys interact? Okay, that's another third mm. really important question. Um, and a, a fourth one is what you said. Say, um, so what do you enjoy doing? You know, in in your in your free time, that's a very important question. What do you enjoy doing in your free time? Because what you do in your free time is it tells you a lot about your personality, uh, your your real self. You know, when you, you you're making the decisions, do you like read? You know, you might say reading a lot. I like going out. I like going to the movies. I like going on holidays. I you know, I, I go shopping. So it tells you a lot about the person, right? Mm. Are you a spender or are you a saver? So um, another question I had in now, now that I'm saying them, I remember talking about finances and financial, um, you know. Um, how do you see, if we were to be married, you know, how do you, how do you see finances and management of finances, you know? Now, the way you ask this question, you don't, it's not like an interview where question, answer, QA, yeah. QA, QA. It's got to be easygoing. Mm. Some people, you be creative in how you do it very easily with a smile. And um, it's more like a, a, an informal conversation. Mm. Um, you can, some people open it up saying, like if the girl is shy, usually the, the guy can, can make sort of the initiative. Sometimes the girl makes the initiative. It tells you a lot about each other. Yeah. And you say, uh, well, uh, you, know, you know what, can I tell you, I'd like to tell you what I see myself in 10 years. And then that'll probably prompt her to also respond in the same way. So uh, these, are, these are important 
um, aspects, especially doing your free time. You know, what what are your hobbies? What do you like doing when you got nothing on? So it shows you, um, tells you a lot about that person. Um, Insha'Allah, if we have another interview, I'll bring those ten questions, Inshallah. and we can make sort of the interview about them and how to go about them. Inshallah. I, th- I think even a thing I've found out recently is about how you ask the questions. There's sometimes we put on our best self when we get a question asked, so we want to like we might maybe like twist the truth to kind of sound better, yeah. especially in the early stages. Uh-huh. So you can ask questions in a way, like for example, I'll frame a question for you. If I ask you, do you listen to music? Someone will say. No, because I don't want her to think I listen to music, so I want to do the right thing. Or you could ask the question, who's your favorite artist? And the person might say, it's person X, Y, and Z. Or they'll say, I don't listen to music. So you kind of, you ask the same question, but you, f- you find out the real answer. And that's just because how you word it. Of course. So, so yeah, I mean, these are secondary uh, questions you would ask. I'm not saying I, music. I'm saying no, what, I know ask, what you the, mean. ask the I'm question. I'm thinking yeah. uh, the, the questions I have, the 10 questions are more, they're they're open-ended, yeah. so when you actually talk about them, they will open up other conversation. But they—they're kind of they lead they, they lead mm-hmm. into. So, what do you do in your spare time? That can lead into all that conversation. Mm-hmm. So, the idea is not to ask specific questions, but rather open-ended questions—questions questions that would make you guys discuss and talk. And when you come back again, you can talk more. Um, remember what I said about don't try to rely only on the conversations between you two. That's maybe 20% of it because you just said it you naturally put on your best it doesn't mean you're two-faced but you naturally feel like you want to be really nice you actually feel like you want to say the right thing and honestly the uh, people who've never been in a relationship they get very embarrassed some of them don't even say anything so there are sometimes that's just that's one aspect of how you get to know some the other one really is the background work and like I said before, for example, a great opportunity right now is the social media. Social media tells you maybe 50%, 60% of the person. Mm. Just look at the way they take their photos, where they go, what means they have, what kind of friends they have that are talking, how they talk, right? But that's not everything, okay? That just tells you about like how they show themselves in public. Then you've got knowing their family. Family is the big thing. That's the really big one to know how they are around in their comfort zone, around their real the people who really know them. The way she or he is in their family environment is the way they're going to be with you. Not now, but later. They will. They will be like that. If somebody is respectful to their parents, they're going to be respectful to you, inshallah, most likely. Uh, if they are rude to their parents, they're going to be more rude to you because you will never equal their parents. So... Uh, these conversations will open yeah um, so asking about them also friends uh, people have gone to school with them getting someone else to ask inshallah you can't go wrong yeah. you know it's not you're not going to get you know everything about the person yeah. there is still that 20% that you will learn about in the marriage but they're all secondary now inshallah mm. what do you think about a girl approaching a guy for marriage? Uh, Islamically, from an Islamic perspective, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. There's actually several ways in Islam you can propose to someone. Either you as the man, directly uh, to a, a woman. A woman can propose to a man directly. You can passively uh, approach. So in Islam, it's recommended for a woman to hint to the man doesn't have to say, will you marry me? Sometimes uh, 
what women at the time of the Prophet sometimes would do is they would praise that that man. So you're an amazing person. Wallahi, I you know I find that your you know your your demeanor and your wisdom or your your character and your 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 um, your persona is is something that's really you know really virtuous. And honestly, um, mashallah, you're a great man. You come from a great family. When you see a woman talking a lot like that, it could be a proposal. If a woman wants to propose, she can propose that way. Mm. She can be direct as well. There's no harm in doing that either. Uh, you can propose to her. But it is better that if it's a woman who hasn't been married before to um, go through her, the ch- channel of her parents, brother, father, a cousin, a friend who knows the family. So you don't have to... There's several ways. S- another way is where the father himself himself offers his daughter to you know a, a man that it, that he likes. That that was the custom in the time of the Prophet. So a man would stand up, says, I have four daughters, and I'm offering them for anyone who would like to approach to ask for a, for a prospective marriage. So the father used to do that. This day and age hardly anyone does that. Still, some fathers do that. I know a few fathers who did that. So there's nothing wrong with proposing in that way, so long as it's respectful and obviously within the Islamic boundaries. Mm. Mm. You have another question? I'm done. I have the last one. How do you feel about you know those those type of families or people that try to test the other person? So, like for example, there was a sheikh that I once listened to, and he spoke about how there was a guy. He was coming to a family friend of his. Their house is like an hour and a half away, and she's a he's a prospective um, husband for their daughter. And they go, he's driving the whole way, and then when he got to like five minutes out, they called him and go, "Oh, we're not seeing you today because we're talking to other prospective <laughs> people for for your for our daughter." And then and then he, they wanted to see what his reaction was, <laughs> and then um, he pulls up to the house, and then he goes, "Oh, okay, khair. He goes, khair, inshallah, no problem at all. And they call him back. They go, wait, wait, come back. It's okay. We'll just wait for us outside. We're going to go pick something up. And then they tested his patience when he was driving through. The, they took him on a longer route and whatever it was. And they, they kind of tested his patience to see how he was in certain circumstances. Yeah. How do you feel about that? No, look, um, there's nothing wrong with testing. It's probably a good thing because uh, it, it's a good way of knowing someone. Right, I mean, a man said, "Yeah, Omar to Omar I like this man." He said, "Maybe you've just seen him pray a lot and read the Quran a lot, and making a lot of dhikr." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Have you travelled with him? Have you dealt in business with him? Have you ever stayed and spent time with him in his house?" He goes, "No." He said, "You don't know anything about him." All of that is a form of a test. However, the part that you said where they they basically made up something—that's a lie. So you don't test with a lie. Uh, it's haram to lie and to dece- it's kind of like a deception. You know. Mm. So test the person now in normal things that you test them out. We're always testing. Even when you're sitting together and you're talking, you are doing a test. You're testing yourself. You're testing the situation. You're testing whether she uh, is good for you. I mean, it's all a test. But when we say the word test, it just sounds ugly. But what you're doing is you're, you're looking at the situation. You're seeing what this person is like in the time of anger and that's actually a very good test if you really want to know someone i know how to do it do that it just came to me yeah but don't lie don't lie about it don't deceive just try to be honest like what you said they went out in mm. situations where you know there's going to be people who are who who 
talk loud, let's say, or whatever, or they might uh, they're blunt. They say, "Oh, let's see how how this happens." You know, and you sit mm. down, you see how his reaction is. That's okay. That's fine. I don't see a problem with that. Inshallah, as long as the intentions are right, you don't expose the brother and talk and backbite him after that. Um, it's all within the genuine intention to see if they're right for your sister or daughter or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't think of any dalil or evidence yeah. forbidding except the lying and deception. That's haram. What you got to do is when you come to the house, tip a drink on the guy. <laughs> see if he swears. See if how he reacts. Does he get mad? You can see on the face. Because obviously you make it look like an accident. And you do one of those. Guys, watch imagine, I c- imagine I come back one Make sure it's empty. Stains here. Empty, empty. They do you, know how they bring out, you know how they bring out the yeah. tea c- cups and they're empty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the tomato sauce thing and then it's like just a confetti or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Look, I mean, within measures, but just be careful not to disrespect the person. Yeah, you know, Some people may feel uh, patronised or something. So be genuine about it as much as you can. Be polite, be respectful. Yeah, I think that that helps, inshallah. Definitely. I think you've answered all my questions. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. We're definitely going to bring you back on for those 10, inshallah. Because we'll I know Ashraf teed about that. The <laughs> 10 <laughs> questions to ask during engagement. Inshallah. And we'll definitely, co- inshallah, we'll have more upcoming podcasts with you about all other topics, inshallah. Thank you. I think Allah it'll Allah be good if people comment this time. About some topics that they want us to chat to the Sheikh about and stuff like Definitely. that. Definitely. Yeah. You know, get some engagement inshallah. from the audience. Inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Not inshallah. that type of engagement, pleasure. though. <laughs> 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 That's not that type of engagement. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for watching, guys. Like, comment, and subscribe. And inshallah, we'll definitely have Sheikh Bilal on again. So don't ask us, please. We'll bring him back, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day or night or wherever you are, inshallah, and take care.